Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Each episode, we cover an aspect of sex that impacts your sex life and something that you can relate to. So if you find our discussions helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love it if you would tell a friend about us. You can find us also on the web at foreplayrst.com. And if you have a comment or a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Please send them to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Our episode today is on more on attachment theory and probably specifically about sex. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about, I think, while we've said that forming secure attachment is really the goal as a couple and sex is something that aids in that. Mm-hmm. And for many people is that, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, having sex means they're secure. But the problem is most of us come out of childhood with insecure attachments. Yeah. So there's there's two kind of poles on that. There's the anxiously attached person and then there's the avoidantly attached person. Yeah. And for us, too, we're going to talk about it in terms of pursuer and distancer, right? Right, right. right. And these, like, I don't think we can overstate how much these affect our sexual relationships. Yeah. Right? I mean, sex is snagged in this power struggle between these two poles. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's difficulty sexually, right, with – you know, certain sexual dysfunctions and certain sexual techniques, issues. But by and large, the bulk of my work as a sex therapist is really resolving the relationship that is caught here and how sex gets snagged in this problem. Yeah. So if people are experiencing sexual difficulty in their relationship and it's not a medical issue yes. necessarily, this is one place to look, right? I mean, in, and I would say even in sexual dysfunctions that are acute and, you know, like ED or anorgasmia, yep. you know, a, a woman or a man who can't have an orgasm for whatever reason, there are often relational problems that accompany that. Yeah. Yeah. So so we should probably define what we're talking about okay, when we're talking okay. about these, right? So, so how would you define? The pursuer person yeah. is is the person who tends to overtly want more closeness. Actually, mm-hmm. both people want a balance of closeness and space. So mm-hmm. so all of us need autonomy and connection. But in the relationship, this person kind of corners the market on 
the sense of the need for closeness, closeness, talking, connection, sex, time together, family time. Mm. That That's what they're all about usually. Yeah. And in, in our previous podcast where we talked about secure attachment, we talked about that there's a balance between yes. being dependent and being independent, being mm-hmm. interdependent and being independent. And right. so what we're talking about when we're talking about pursuer is that they are imbalanced on the interdependent side. That's right. right. And the avoidantly attached person or the distancer yeah. is often not as comfortable with mm-hmm. closeness, right? They fear intimacy. They fear that intimacy is going to be smothering. Mm-hmm. And so they get preoccupied with their work, mm-hmm. with their purpose, their endeavors, sometimes with their hobbies, yeah. sometimes with another person. You know, yeah. they kind of split the the problem and say, okay, I'll, I'll have something over here and then I won't feel as smothered by you. So that person is probably going to say things like, I feel trapped. I feel yeah. too, this is too much. Why do you got to know everything that I'm doing? Right, and they feel controlled. You, mm. you're only a, about controlling me. Yeah. And the other person, the pursuing person, they feel abandoned. Mm. You know, they feel like I'm out of control. I can never get enough of you. I, I never know where you are. I never know where you are, literally, and with me. Mm. You know, a lot of times pursuers say, "Talk to me." Tell me your feelings. Yeah. And what they really want to know is, what are your feelings about me? (laughs) Reassure me you love me. Uh, (laughs) That's what they're saying. They they don't necessarily care quite as much about your insecure feelings about your work. They want to know, are your feelings for me secure? It can at times look a little narcissistic, right? I mean, it it may – it's not necessarily full-blown – in that direction. But the pursuing person? The pursuing person, yeah. I, I always think the withdrawing person, the distancer, feels more narcissistic to really? me. Really? But that might be because of where we stand. <laughs> That's right. That, that, that might be a little revealing uh, about yeah, us. about us. Uh, yeah, but, I, you know, I think that the hallmark of knowing whether you are in the power struggle between the distancer and the pursuer is each partner looks at the other one and they say, well, Basically, I just married a selfish person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's right. That's right. You look across and you feel like that other person because they both can appear that yeah, way, right? Like you're just all about you. Yeah, you're just self. You're just self absorbed. So, so I think that's a funny comment, Adam. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's true. I never thought about it like that, but I think that's I think that's true because that's how it appears. Yeah. Because the pursuer all wants the affirmation. Right. right. Wants the affirmation that they're safe, that they're, the other person loves them. Right. The independent person want, is. They want to be trusted. They, yeah. You know, the, the pursuer wants to be reassured about being mm. loved. And the, the distancing partner wants to be trusted. Yeah. I do love you. I told you when I married you. That's if, right. If my then mind that, changed. <laughs> that should have been enough. <laughs> That's right. That should have been enough. I think, you, yeah, we get distancers a lot of times that, that don't understand the pursuer's need to have it restated over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. Right. And, and people who are more functional, right, because all of us kind of fall on some part of this continuum. The people who are more functional, they usually work this out. There's a sense of balance. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, I was a little clingy last, you know, last week I was, you know, this was happening for me, but go on, take your trip, you know, have fun with the guys or, Mm -hmm. you know, go take the beach trip with the girls. I was just a little anxious. And they can talk about the feelings that get evoked when their partner feels too far away from them. Yeah. And they can also talk about their needs, you know, like they can assert their needs clearly. You know, I yeah. even even if you are more pursuing or more distancing, asserting your needs becomes, you know, is okay if you're closer to the middle, if you're safe. Yeah. You know, you say, well, I, I need this. You know, yeah. I need a hug right now or, you know, I need some sex right now or I need, 
you know, I need you to be okay with the fact that I'm preoccupied by my work or my family or whatever for just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they have to recognize that need in them, right? But that's, I love what you said about that, that they're discussing. That seems to be on the road to kind of balancing that Mm -hmm. out a little more is that you are expressing need rather than complaining about the other person. Yes, yes. Yeah. And But as people become less functional and sort of more rigid, they get further out on this continuum mm. and these behaviors become entrenched. And it's like the knot in between them becomes very, very tight as they yeah. pull against these different poles. Yeah. yeah. And it, I'm interested in what you think about this, Lori, because I think this happens is that people – get into pursuer distancer relationships. Yes. Right. It's rarely ever do I see somebody that's in a distancer distancer relationship right. or a pursuer pursuer relationship. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, my fantasy, pursuer pursuer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's everybody's that's right. fantasy. That's right. You know? But I think I think one of the things is that we tend to seek out something to balance us out. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think we we know intrinsically that we need to to be balanced on this interdependence independence mm-hmm. spectrum. Right. That right. if we fall too much to one side, if if we fall too much to the interdependence, we're we're codependent. Right. Yeah. If we fall too much to the independence, we're out there by ourselves. Like we yeah. never have relationship. Yeah, I would. So, I agree totally. Yeah, and so we tend to seek those out, and so that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing when we find ourselves in pursuer distancer relationships because the idea is that we are together going to be able to move us more to secure attachments and balance yes. each other out because it's just it's something that we have to work out. It's the silver lining between yeah. behind the power struggle is that if we can resolve this actually we become more secure. So the pursuing partner who feels like what they need is more connection and closeness Actually, they probably need to develop some independence, their Mm -hmm. own autonomy and their hobbies and get comfortable with alone time. And the distancing partner who's maybe all about work or their own time and space needs to get more comfortable with closeness and intimacy and stuff like that. And I want to say often in heterosexual relationships, these flip flop over sex. Mm. So maybe she's more pursuing about emotional life and relationship time. And he's more distancing about that, you know, doesn't necessarily talk as easily about his feelings, but he feels the need to pursue and connect sexually. And maybe, you know, she she doesn't as much, right? She distances there. And they get in this classic war of, you know, talk to me so that I can feel comfortable having sex with you. And he says, perhaps, you know, have sex with me so I feel comfortable talking to you, right? That's the knot. So, yeah, that gets that's what gets things tied up. But right. I think I think that people, if you're sitting across the table from someone and you're looking at them going, oh, my goodness, you are so selfish, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, would you just leave me alone or would you just say you love me more? If you're looking uh-huh. at that saying we are polar opposites, I think there's there's hope for that, right? Yeah. There's hope for that because the, exactly what you're saying of like that, it, it feels like a knot. It feels unsolvable. But it absolutely can come back and, and balance each other. It, yeah. You can balance I, each other out. I would say that most of us, you're right. You know, right. The the tall, silent type is attracted to the, you know, vibrant, vivacious person. And, and we have this kind of sense of if I can be with you, I can have all – I can be whole. Although some relationships are, are not that way. You know, some sure. I believe we, we get – connected to somebody who is truly more dysfunctional than we are, they're further out. And those relationships often do break up because yeah. there's just no repairing 
when somebody is that far out in terms of their insecure attachment sure. and how that manifests in relationship with real, true dysfunction. And, sure. and I would say, you know, this holiday season, there's a lot of people out there, I just wanted to mention, that are having blue Christmases. Yeah, you know, absolutely. that they, they're struggling with a divorce and, and the heartbreak of maybe sharing children, you know, each going to each family and or having lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, we know it's a difficult time for you. And we want to come back, though, and talk about the positive and negative aspects of being a sexual pursuer and a sexual distancer. Yeah, and possibly offer everybody some steps that they can take to really begin to repair and become more balanced and more secure in their relationships and how to utilize their relationships to do that. Yeah, and and, you know, I'm realizing this is a really short podcast now because I have so much to say. So write in and tell us if you think we should speak longer. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, right back. Wanting Sex Again, How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy improve your sex and improve your relationship with awakening center for couples and intimacy find out more at awakenloveandsex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori watson awakenloveandsex.com awaken what's possible It is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs, look at the problem differently, and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthews with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. Okay, we're back for Play Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. And we're talking about attachment and why it's important and the insecure attachment that most of us have learned from childhood and then gets manifest in a relationship as one person being the pursuer, the other person being a distancer. And specifically in the sexual relationship, I want to talk about what a sexual pursuer is like. I mean, mm-hmm. they're really the ones who initiate, right? They're yeah. the ones who are sexually oriented and request and 
ask for sex and take a big risk. Yeah. Do you think that that's a, I think sometimes in a, a pursuer comes across as a pleading or maybe, Lori, how does that present? Yeah. How does it, what does I, that look like? I think like? you're right. The frustrated sexual pursuer, right, comes across as pleading and complaining and, you know, begging for sex. Yeah. Whereas I think maybe a more secure sexual pursuer, a person who feels a secure attachment comes across as more seductive, mm. you know, like encouraged and knowing that they're offering their partner something good, you know, they can be sexy about it. It's more, um, it's more inviting is what it sounds like exactly. rather, rather than if in a pursuer, it's more, a little more demanding. Yeah. And, and maybe for the insecure sexual pursuer, their partner says, well, you know, they're just grumpy if they don't have sex. Mm. But actually for these people, Sex does make them feel alive, and it, it does actually make them more generous and energized. And it, it, I say it's better than Xanax. It calms them down. I, mm. I never really understand this, but people say, well, I, you know, I'm only my, – my partner is always cranky. They're always angry or critical, so I don't want to have sex with them. And I'm like, yeah, but it's been like 10 days. Yeah. You know, if you'd had sex with them a couple times in there, they probably wouldn't be so cranky and grumpy, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it is this this thing in, in terms of a catch between people, how giving to each other and giving the person their needs really helps. Because for the pursuer, it really reinforces the, the attachment, right? I mean, yeah. it really kind of validates the the fear that they have that their partner doesn't love them, doesn't care about them, mm-hmm. right? And, it, and so sex then that is that calming effect it calms down that part of like trying to pursue it, it's it calms that for a while absolutely and i think that some of the the negative aspects of being a sexual pursuer when when we come become further out on the continuum right more mm. rigid is they become anxious mm. and i think the primary anxiety in a sexual pursuer is i'm not going to get it enough and oh, i'm yeah. not going to get it the way i need it with mm. enough intensity yeah. Because I, I really think the fantasy of the sexual pursuer is about intensity. Mm. I want it I want it to be an eleven on a scale of one to ten. Yeah. And I want the earth to move every time. Mm. And I, I think that there's this wish and there's also this belief in sexual pursuers or in any of us who are pursuers just in general in the relationship that somehow or another there are relationships out there that don't have to work very hard and they certainly don't have to work at sex. Right? Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, that's the fantasy that there's people out there who have sex easily and freely and it and it rocks their world every single time. Yeah. Or that 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 feeling of needing to pursue kind of goes away that it's not really that it's not really there or it's not no, quote unquote normal people don't feel a, a lack of being wanted. Yeah. You know, for, right. Ever. Yeah, ever. Ever. And that it's spontaneous combustion, right? <laughs> you know, you just look at your partner across the room and boom, it's, it's like the it movies. Yeah. You know, it just happens. And so yeah. I, I call this a necessary loss, mm. you know, that we have to come to terms with our childlike fantasies that somehow or another in adult relationship, it's always going to be like that, that spontaneous combustion or that that look mm. that never need to work at it, never need to initiate and to pursue because or to seduce because it should just happen. And That's right. it's it's really a growing up of, oh gosh, this is how actually normal people live. Yeah. You know, there's there's always something to be worked out sexually. Yeah. Our early ideas of sex were not correct. Right. Yeah. You know, the the what we saw in movies, what we saw on TV, 
what we read about in books, the fiction, right? Uh, the fictional relationships of sex that we saw are, are not real. And people right? say, but you know, it was real. Mm. It was like that in the beginning. We couldn't get enough of each other. It was spontaneous combustion. Mm. You know, I really, it was like that, Lori. Yeah. What do you say to those people? <laughs> what do I say to those people? I say evolution, baby. It yeah. evolved, like relationships, <laughs> relationships evolve. Yeah. They, they change mm-hmm. and they grow up. I think the word that I would capitalize on what you just said was maturity, uh-huh. you know, um, and every phase of and relationships have phases. And, and I think during that phase, what is forgotten is how much time and energy is set aside mm-hmm. for the bedroom. That's right. I mean, how much energy goes into seduction and just clearing the decks of every yeah. obligation except to be in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, I want to talk a little bit more before we go too far about the sexual distancer. And yeah. The, the sexual distancer, you know, they focus kind of on the emotional climate of mm. the relationship. They like it to be just right. It, they don't want it to be too intense and or too cold. They, mm. They're looking for this balance. And I think this is the gift that a sexual distancer brings to the bedroom is that they, they know for them that sex flows out of an emotional connection. It's not the heating element itself, but it's born mm. out of it. Yeah. That can be a hard concept to grasp, right? Um, but it, for the sexual pursuer, really for the, hard. yeah, for the sexual pursuer, like it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense because the pursuer is so focused on intensity, mm-hmm. right? But the mood, for the one of the complications it would seem, and you tell me if I'm right on this, that for the distancer is that the conditions are rarely perfect, yeah. right? The yeah. conditions for for that are rarely fall right. into a natural place right. when they're out where they're on the continuum. You're right when they're more distant and more dysfunctional the conditions become very rare. Mm-hmm. But I think of it like like since we're at the holidays, it's the person who says, it's not just the gift. It's the way it's wrapped. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't want to just open a box with a toy. I want it to be beautifully wrapped mm-hmm. with a ribbon around it, that that thoughtfulness and that yeah. touch is almost just as important to them and symbolic to them as w- the gadget inside. Yeah. See, I just yeah. want the gadget, but I, <laughs> but I get that. <laughs> I get that. I know, pe- I know people do. Yeah. Uh, but I think for pursuers, knowing how that presentation is supposed to be presented for the distancer mm-hmm. gets it really hard because they're probably not very good at it. They don't that, do it very naturally, right? Or they have forgotten what they mm-hmm. did or they were discouraged, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. They were discouraged because of what they did. I think another positive thing, though, about the sexual distancer is they're very present-oriented I mean, they mm. luxuriate in the moment of sex. They're not comparers. They don't go, mm. well, this time was better than last time or this, you know, it wasn't as good this time or, you know, well, I wish this had happened or it was only a quickie. I mean, they don't do that. Yeah. They're just like content with what happens right now. Hmm. Whereas I think sexual pursuers are anxious. Mm. You know, they're comparing this to that. Yeah. I think for the sexual distancer, where they get anxious is did it make my partner happy? Hmm. Was it enough for them? Are are we gonna are they gonna get out of bed and said that was great? Hmm. You know, so their anxiety is about pleasing their partner, whereas the pursuer partner's anxiety is about is it enough? Is it intense enough? Can you say more about that, Lori? Because I would have assumed in describing it as a distancer that that would not be the case that they wouldn't care about their partner's experience. But explain that. Ex- explain so it's that not, in. I think their anxiety is not like, 
Did my partner have a great sexual experience? It's was my partner satisfied with my performance? Mm. You know, did my partner think I was sexy enough, attractive enough, responsive enough? You know, am I going to be judged when they get out of bed or am I going to get the seal of approval that says, yeah, that was a good time? So So it's not necessarily did you have a good time, but are they going to think I didn't perform well enough? Yeah. And so that's their anxiety. Yeah. So that makes more sense to me because then if it gets if that anxiety gets really high, then they are going to distance themselves. Yeah, exactly. They're going to they're going to remove themselves from the relationships and avoid sex. sex. They're not going to initiate sex because they're fearful of that. Why would I walk into something where I'm going to get criticized? Yeah. Yeah, So I have a couple that that is like that. And Mm -hmm. she complains all the time that they don't have enough sex. Mm -hmm. Um, He complains all the time that she that it's never satisfying for her. Yes. Right. Yes. And so he ne- he almost doesn't even talk about sex anymore because she has she said so much that she is not orgasm during sex, that she is unsatisfied in their sex life, that all these things, the all these complaints have mounted up so much for her that he's completely distanced himself from that right. relationship. So that's the anxiety right. you're talking and about. And I'm really right glad you said it gender reverse because you and I know that this is not just yeah. it is not gender stereotypic in terms of Absolutely. the sexual pursuer and distancer. We Absolutely. have plenty of women who are sexual pursuers in our practice and men who are sexual distancers. Absolutely. Yeah. So I- I'm glad. So let's give you some tips on what to do quickly. If you have identified yourself as one style or the other, if you're a sexual pursuer, what I would suggest is bite your tongue mm. afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Get out of bed, smile, say that was awesome, and then forget about it. Forget about improving it. Don't talk about how it could have been. And if you make a request, say it positively, mm. you know, and, and don't do it right then. Don't do it as you're getting out of bed. Yeah, that's right. You know, just like, hey, I'd love to make love. On Friday night, not not we never make love when you know around the holidays. You're too busy. Yeah, you know, say it like you know. I would love to set aside some time on Friday night to make love. Yeah. So make it positive. And, and the thing, just to highlight there too, if there's a request, do it at a different time. Set aside yes. some time to talk about what you would like in your yeah. sex. In your get out of bed and be quiet and happy. That's right. But if you're a sexual distancer, I think understanding your emotional and childhood background. You know, especially if you are on the insecure side, right, the withdrawing side, many times those people did not get enough touch in their Mm -hmm. childhood, did not get adequate affection. And so they're less comfortable with the body's expression of love, Mm -hmm. which is sex and affection. And so they don't necessarily give it as much, but that comes from childhood. So definitely understand your background. I would also say to sexual distancers, know your own body responses, Mm. you know, know what makes you get there, you know, and I would say try to remove sex from the power struggle because when you say no to your partner, you're also saying no to your own pleasure Mm. and, and you may not feel you need it, but actually many times sexual distancers are the insecurely attached partner, the withdrawing partner from childhood and they need touch more than anybody. Mm. But they're just not aware of that. Yeah. So so those are our tips for the day. One of the things that it just this just reminds me of is that there are going to be times where as a distancer you need to you need to pursue and as a pursuer you need to be okay with it not moving as fast as as, yeah, as you want exactly. to. Exactly. And I think just even just knowing that, knowing whether you're a distancer, knowing whether you're a pursuer, and knowing that you you need to balance that out with all the the great tips that you gave, I think is going to be really key to that. Right. Well, thank you for listening to Four Play Radio Sex Therapy. 
your sex therapist, Lori Watson, and your couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. 